never forget why you are the church. The victory that we have in Jesus, you can have. So we're going to start this morning's message with an important question to kind of continue what God has started the past couple weeks. What is expectation? What is expectation? That's a pretty important, you know, if you're going to say, hey, you know, we expect victory. Well, what does that even mean? I mean, have you ever really thought about what expecting something actually means? Well, if you look at Merriam-Webster, it's pretty cool the definition of this word. First off, expectation means the act or state of expecting. A similar word would be anticipation. Uh, something expected, basis for expecting, and another word for that would be assurance. You know what we need to bring back to the church house? You know what we need to bring back to, the, to our walk with Christ is anticipation and assurance. I want you to know that when he saves you, he keeps you. No matter what happens. I, I, listen, if, if there's anything that I have learned as being a pastor is that people are fickle. Say amen, you're fickle. Amen, I can be fickle too. Right? We're up and down, up and down, in and out. Excited, not excited. Right? One Sunday we'll be, I mean, we'll be ready to worship. We'll be ready to hear God's word. We'll be all fired up, ready to pray. Then another Sunday we're sitting there all sour-faced. How in the world can that happen? How can that happen when we serve the God that we serve? How can that happen when every time we come in here we open the word, the living, infallible, and errant word of God? How can that happen? You might be thinking in those definitions, uh, what I thought as well, how do you use a variation of the word and a definition of the word? Now, that is an old college trick if you ever write papers, right? If you don't really know the definition, you kind of use a de the, the word to define the word. But that does not really work very well, does it? So, so I proceeded down this rabbit trail. This was not supposed to be on the yellow paper. That makes sense, Okay. Anything on the yellow paper is what I preach. It was supposed to be on a little notepad just for my study, but it was so good, I wanted to add it. So, so what does the verb expect mean? We know what expectation means. It means to expect, <laughs> right? So what does expect mean? Well, it means to consider probable or certain. To consider it reasonable, due, or necessary. To consider bound in duty or obligated. And a second one is to anticipate, to look forward to the coming or occurrence of. If you're missing this, hit yourself in the knee and say, wake up. We need to be, thank you, Brother Albert, I appreciate that. <laughs> I don't know whether I should feel good about that or not good about that, you know what I'm saying? Hey, that's like that one time I got to tell a story now. Man, Albert, you got me down a story. And, it, and I, I mentioned him a, a, a while back, but Brother Henry Maynard. Anyone know Brother Henry Maynard back when he was alive? Man, he, listen, he was excited. He loved the Lord. And I, he, was, he was one of my amen corners. Richard McCoy, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, and it would be like a, like a like, amen, you know what I'm saying, because just that's how it would be. And then I'll never forget, I'd get on a roll. You know, back then I'd stomp a whole lot more, and I'd like sweat and have a little hanky, you know what I'm saying? 
And so I'd be getting on a roll, and, and I said, listen, uh, do, do, do we want people to go to hell? Amen. I was like, well, that's an issue. <laughs> but anyway, listen, just hang on with me, and we'll get there, okay? Now, why did we just nerd out about the word expect and expectation? Well, church, I was once told that you don't include a non-biblical word in a sermon, or at least as the, the focal point, right, the main, the main dish. And I don't necessarily disagree with that. So what does the Bible say about it then? Uh, well, Scripture may not use the word expect or expectation that often, but if you look at those definitions that we just saw, the words hope and faith instantly come to mind. I think of Hebrews 11, verse 1, where it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. How about Romans chapter 8, verse 24 through 25 says this, For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why does he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then we, do we with patience wait for it. I want you to know something. You don't wait on something unless you expect something to happen. That's just as simple as that. See, we do not hope as the world hopes. Our hope is founded on the assurance that God is bound to his word. Therefore, what he says will come to pass. Guess what it does? It comes to pass. Even creation expects victory. Look at Romans 8, just a little few verses back in verse 19. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. Church, what is that expectation? Well, that's the return of Christ. Listen, how can we get so distracted when even creation itself is earnestly expecting for Jesus to return? When he comes for his own, we will share in his glory. We will be transformed, and we will be like him. And we are to wait eagerly for that day. And it is this ultimate victory that enables us to expect victory each day we live. Again, if we had a theme this year, it is, and you're going to hear it a whole lot more, expect victory. You say, why did God put that on your heart? Because I'm tired of not expecting victory. Is anyone with me this morning? If you're with me, say amen. I'm tired of just coming into church and, 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 and hoping like the world hopes something will happen. In other words, I, I know it probably won't, but I hope it does, right? Hoping in such a way that, man, you know, I know that I put work into this sermon. I know that people are going to be there, but, you know, if it's like it has been, then, you know, no one's going to get saved or this. And I, and I come up here every single Sunday genuinely desiring for people to be saved and people to be reconciled and restored. But I'm telling you what, when you don't expect victory Monday through Saturday, it's hard just to wake up on Sunday and just all of a sudden expect it. So that's why we've got to get expecting. We got to, it is certain that God wants to work. It's not even just probable. It is certain that he wants those who are lost to be saved. That is certain. It is certain that he wants his kingdom to grow. He wants his church to thrive. That is certain. There are things that are certain. If we had a theme text, it would be Philippians chapter 1. Now, if you, it's going to be on the screen, but you can turn there with me if you want. 
But it says this starting in verse 12. But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the places, in all the palace, and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And I therein do rejoice, yea, I will rejoice. Now just think about what he just wrote to us. Think about what he just wrote to the saints in Philippi. I'm in, I, I, there's, I'm in bonds. There are those that are within the church that are, that are causing opposition and causing trouble. They're attacking me. They're using the gospel against me. But you know what he says? I'm going to rejoice anyway because the gospel is being preached. Mm. I tell you what, some of us local churches would do well to believe that as well. All this competition and stuff and all this, 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 and that. Listen, and I used to be one of the world's worst at that mindset. I want everything to happen here. If someone's going to get saved, may it be at Cedar Grove. If we're going to have revival, let it be at Cedar Grove. You know, you know what? God, God has humbled me in that. Let me just tell you something. I don't care where revival breaks out. I just want to be a part of it. You understand what I'm saying? Listen, if someone gets saved today at one of the local churches here in town, guess what? We ought to celebrate that and not be like, well, no one got saved here. I tell you what. You know, I don't know how many people. Oof. Hold on. I got I to gotta take a little break because I was about to get on a. I don't know how many people are here today. But I just have a thought. Hold on one time. I'm back. All right. But I just had a thought that if there, let's just say there's 100 people here. And 100 people are waking up each and every day expecting victory, taking the opportunities that God had given them, right? Taking the opportunities of the open doors of, of, of people coming into their presence that may, not, may, may need to know Jesus, need salvation, I have a hard time believing that we are not lighting this candle that we have right here more if we're doing that. I have a hard time believing that we're, if we're actually expecting victory, that we're actually doing the things that we're supposed to be doing as Christians, that we can go a whole week without somebody giving their life to the Lord. And you know why we're quiet? Because we know why it is. We're quiet because you're telling me that, that you think that someone should get saved every week? Yes, sir. You know, when the church first started, it was added unto them daily. Daily. You know what would be the coolest thing in the world? Is if you brought someone today that you led to Christ yesterday. And now we get to disciple them and love on them. Is anyone with me this morning? Verse 19, for I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. So that would be our theme text. But if we had a theme verse, it would be verse 20. According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Understand Paul is writing about being not, again, just imprisoned about 
being in prison, but also being attacked from some within the church. Yet he knew that because he was faithful to the gospel, he could see the victory that God had given him. Now, how do we expect victory like that? Well, we're not ashamed. You say, well, I'm in a very defeated time in my life. You're a believer in Christ. You've been born again. You can have bad circumstances, but you don't have to taste defeat. You may have a bad situation going on, but you can have victory even through that. No matter what we know, God can and will use us for his glory. Now, how do we get there? So that's what we're going to talk about today. How do we get to to being able to be bold and unashamed like Paul, even in bondage, even in being in prison, even when people are attacking him from within, how can we get to that kind of expectation? Well, we're going to talk about a few keys here. Key number one, we're going to say do not allow past sin to control today. Do not allow past sin to control today. Today, I'm going to say some words, and I want you to ponder their effect on your heart and spirit right now. Shame, guilt, fear, condemnation. I want you to know something, that even as a preacher of the gospel, a pastor of a church, these words sometimes control my day. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, well, you know, I've experienced that as well. But if you, maybe you're not like me. Maybe you've never had this happen in your life. And if so, hey, good for you. But there's been times in my life where I was wanting to do something or I had an idea for the Lord or ministry or whatever it was. Or, 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 and, and the moment I get excited in my spirit about what God is putting on my heart, the moment I get excited about glorifying him through whatever means he had put on my heart, all of a sudden the enemy starts reminding me of things I've done, of my failures, of my weaknesses, of my past failures. And before I know it, you know what we do? We stop thinking about what God can do, and we start to dwell on what we have done. And I don't know about you, but sometimes it's very paralyzing. Now, these words that I just told you have their proper place. We ought to be ashamed when we live in sin. Amen? I want you to know something. We live in a society, we live in a culture that has no shame of their sin. They can do what they want, when they want, however they want to, and everyone just says, oh, it's okay, you know, that's just so-and-so. Oh, well, they're just going through something, whatever it is, and we excuse their sin. Let me just tell you something. If you are a born-again believer living in the victory of Jesus Christ, you ought to be ashamed of the smallest sin in your life. doesn't matter what it is. Shame is sometimes a good thing when it regards our sin and gets us back right, understanding that we sinned against God. We need to understand that aside from God, we are guilty. You do realize that. We are guilty. The worst feeling in the world is guilt. Amen? Uh, you know, it's, it's something like, you know, something happens and you, you, you dirty a clean kitchen and you thought that you had time to clean the clean kitchen before your wife gets home and you had time, but all of a sudden time just flew by, if you know what I'm saying, and then all of a sudden your wife gets home and And uh, all of a sudden, that guilty conscience just comes to fruition. And listen, I thought that this has only happened as a kid, but it's happened as a grown adult, too. 
Uh, you know, as a kid, when, you, when your mom or daddy came home and you weren't doing what you're supposed to be doing, you jump off that couch, you jump off that bed, and you start, you know, panicking, trying to get all the things, all the chores that you were supposed to do. Let me tell you something. It happens as a husband, too. <laughs> You know, so I'll be sitting at the house all day. She'll come home, and all of a sudden, I'll be jumping off the couch, and, and man, it's like I'm a little child caught red-handed again. You know what I'm saying? And she'll be like, what, what's going on? And I'm just, I'm guilty, right? That's the worst feeling. I hate that feeling. I hate the feeling of guilt. But I want you to understand something. Aside from Christ, hey, eternally, you are guilty. Proverbs 9.10 tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You know what else our culture and our society does not do? They do not have a fear of the almighty God. Therefore, they are foolish. And if we don't have Jesus, the Bible says we are condemned already. Those are facts. However, the enemy has, had, has the powerful ability to use these words and twist them and twist these truths and concepts into causing a believer to be paralyzed in fear of past sin or past failures they have experienced. And many churches go right along with it. Hear me today. It is impossible to live today yesterday. You can't do it. I want you to do something. I want you to try it. Tell me how it goes and see that it is impossible to live today Yesterday, so we're going to talk about how we are, why, and how we are not to let our past sins or past failures affect us from the victory God would have us today. Turn your Bibles to Second Corinthians, chapter five. Second Corinthians, chapter five. There are some truths that we must understand. If you are a child of God and you struggle with what you have done in the past, you do not want to miss this. Now, I want to say this. While you're turning, because I, I want to make sure. There are definitely things that can happen to you in the past that will come up today and try to hinder you that are not your sin. Does that make sense? There's things that can happen to people that they had no guilt in. They had no, but it just happened. I want you to realize that God can forgive no matter what. God can cleanse. God can wash clean. God can restore the wasted years. I'm telling you, God loves you. So when I sit here and say that, that and I'm starting to talk about past sin, I understand that I'm very focused on a certain uh, aspect of this today. So first, uh, we're going to read. If you're there, say read. Well, hold on. Let me get there. My goodness, y'all rushing me. Verse 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature or creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, there are some truths that we must understand here. But before we do, let's go ahead and pray. I know that was a wrong, long intro. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. God, I pray that I'm able to preach this with power, clarity, and liberty. God, may those that have ears to hear, let them hear. God, I pray that as I preach your word, God, we know that you are not the author of confusion, Lord. So, God, I pray you make things clear today in the hearts of those hearing. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Y'all want to know a funny little secret about making a message? Usually I put pray and then circle it when I'm supposed to pray. I didn't do that. So I was supposed to pray a long time ago, but that's okay. There, there, there's your little transparency from your pastor. <laughs> but at least I'm not like Kenny and just, uh, you know, when the first time he preaches, he just 
you know, puts his sheets all, and then he's, nah. I could, I, could, I could go more. It was funny. Listen, okay, I'm going to tell you. So, so listen, so Kenny goes and preaches for the first time. It, it was a great message, awesome message, right? And, uh, and I remember I, I was watching it on live at the church, of course, and he told me, he said, man, I, mi- I mixed up my pages. And I said, did you number your pages? He's like, no, why would I do that? I was like, because you mixed up your pages. What do you mean? Why would you do that? But I'll never forget. Now, y'all know Kenny. He's a pretty, he's a pretty laughing kind of, you know, cutting up kind of dude. <laughs> and it, Kenny, I love you, okay? I love you. He was, he was like, look, I'm talking. <laughs> then, then all of a sudden, Emily, you know... You, And I thought, listen, I thought, I, was like, Man, I know Kenny, he's going he gonna to come out with a joke now. You know what I'm saying? Because you don't just do that and, then, and stay serious, right? Because everyone's like, I'm scared of what's going on. And look, he went right into it. I mean, let me tell you something. <laughs> I'll tell you. I've never in my life. Woo, man. I am so glad I remembered that just now. But anyway, we're going to look at this. And uh, we're going to look at some, some, some truths in this. Uh, that's going to help us today. First, if you are in Christ, that is that you are saved, born again. That means you are a new creation. You are a new creation. Church, through Jesus, by the ministry of the Holy Spirit, we have been made new. I want you to understand something. I, in, in, especially as you study and you watch those educational spiritual videos and those seminar you know, videos and all the stuff and seminary class, all the things that, that pastors do, you start to realize that we really try to defend the faith. And that's a good thing. We ought to, you know, apologetics is important. Um, We are to be able to defend our faith and show evidence that, hey, the God of the Bible is God, right? I'll tell you this, though. I'll tell you this. I've never seen a lost person sit with me and listen to a seminary class. I'm just going to let you know. My ministry style is not, hey, come here, let's listen to this two-and-a-half-hour class on whether we're pre-, mid-, or post-tribulation, right? That never happens. But you know what the greatest evidence of God is not an apologetics conference, is not a seminary classroom, is not a presentation on proofs of God's existence through a nice PowerPoint. The greatest evidence of God is a transformed life, a life that has been made new. Simple as that. God's creative work began at the time of salvation and will one day be consummated on a universal scale. Why is this so important? This means that we are no longer slaves to our sin. Look at verse 16, right above 17. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Now, you might think, my goodness, what did that even mean? And I'm going to tell you, that's why I got the NASB up here, okay? Look at the NASB translation of this. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. In other words, when he transforms you, you're no longer dictated by that flesh, You have been a new creation. Now, do you still wrestle? Do you still war with the flesh? Absolutely. But you have been made new. 
Our bondage to sin is gone. It cannot affect us today unless we allow it to affect us. And to acknowledge this truth is to live according to his truth. Again, we're doing a, a backwards model right here. Verse 14, for the love of Christ constraineth us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we were all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Church, to expect victory is to live in victory within the truth that we have been made new. Now, I want you to know something. Why is it so important that you have been made new? Because in the sinful nature and state that you were, you cannot enter heaven that way. You cannot enter into God's presence with sin. Eternally, the Bible says you were condemned. Now, I know that this world does not like those words. We have taken condemnation. We've taken the, 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 the correct truths of those words away. We don't want anyone to think that they're in trouble. Let me, let me, if you've not been made new, you are in trouble. But through Jesus Christ, you can be made new. Look at verse 17 again. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That brings to the next thing. If you are in Christ, old things are passed away. I have heard over the years these heartbreaking statements from believers. I have too much of a past. I cannot be used. You don't know what I have done. I have too much guilt to be useful for the Lord. I've heard believers say this, but I tell you what, I've heard lost people say this as well. That's exactly what the enemy wants you to think about it. God desires to use what the world says is useless for his glory. Our sins through Jesus Christ, through, through receiving him, through calling upon the name of the Lord and being saved, our sins have been forgiven. Micah 7.19 says this. He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities, and thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. I don't know if you've ever been to the bottom of the sea, but that's pretty stinking deep. By the way, you know there are still points of the sea, the ocean, that we can't even get to. Mm, that's pretty good. Don't, don't forget that. Let's move on to the next scripture right here. In Psalm 103, verse 12, it says, As far as the east is from the west... So far hath he removed our transgressions from us. To begin expecting victory today, you must live in the freedom God has given you. Yes, daily victory takes daily repentance, but your past is your past. You say, well, that doesn't affect me. Well, let me ask you this question. Let me kind of get on some. Anyone ever run into an old friend from your lost days and instantly go, I've, I've run into people from, from, from high school, and, from, and, 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 they, and they would, I would see them, and it's like it, all of a sudden I'm just kind of trying to avoid them, right? Listen, and, and, and then all of a sudden they see me doing this because I'm like hiding behind something. This, you know, I'm like doing this. I'm like, and they go, Jacob, is that you? <laughs> How you doing, man? Good to see you. Y'all have all done it. You, you, most of y'all probably done it to me when I first got here. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, hey. But either way, listen. You know, it's funny. I say, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm, well, what are you doing now? Oh, you know, I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm talking. 
Well, what do you do for a living? I'm, I'm a speaker. Well, what does that mean? I don't even know. <laughs> why, why do sometimes we get so silly about that? Well, because sometimes we do allow what we've done before. You know what, what, you know what should be the conversation? Hey, man, I know what we used to do. I know how I used to be, and I know you've seen that. But I want you to know Jesus changed my life. <laughs> what are, what, listen, you say, well, I'm not a preacher. You know, what, you know what's so funny about that? You just preached a message to that person, showing them and, and explaining them. And guess what? You say, well, how is that preaching? Where's the gospel come in? You got to tell them how you became changed. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. But again, can there be earthly consequences of past sin? Yes. Do not mistake eternal restoration for no earthly repercussions, right? For example, if you get saved in jail, you might still have to be in jail, but, you might, but guess what? The funny thing is you're saved now, right? Don't, don't, if, you, if you cheat on your taxes last year and you got saved this year, guess what? You're, you're still probably going to get in trouble for cheating on your taxes last year. You understand what I'm saying? Some people say, oh, I got saved. They go in the front of the court and they say, well, brother, sister, whoever it is, I just want you to know. Yes, I am guilty of all that, but not me. I've been made new. You cannot charge me for these sins. Guess what? Yes, they can, right? And they will. A judge would hit their hammer as hard, or their little, what is it called? Uh, gavel? What? Hammer. <laughs> but anyway, so gavel. <laughs> Man, I need to learn words. I'm a speaker. I should know words. Anyway, but there are earthly consequences of past sin sometimes. However, just like Paul wrote, even in the midst of valleys, the gospel can be preached. God saved you and gifted you to use you for his glory, and you cannot be used yesterday, today. So that's not all. In order to expect victory, we must understand that he has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, this is going to be pretty, pretty fun right here, and it's all going to come to it's all going to come to right here. What is the ministry of reconciliation? I guarantee you have read that and read that and read that. And maybe you don't truly understand. What is the ministry of reconciliation? It's, this is where it gets good. Well, reconciliation is the restoration of a relationship to a harmonious state after dispute. The reason we must be born again is because our sin separated us from God. It ruined the harmonious state between God and man and through Jesus Christ, we can be reconciled back to God. That harmonious state can be uh, put back into our lives. So then we know what reconciliation is. So then what is the ministry of reconciliation? Well, that word ministry refers to a service. Ministry can be simplified like this. is serving God through serving others. Amen. I just want you to know I wish that you would get as excited as she does. Amen. Okay, I just, I just want you to know that. Some of y'all so little buddy does up in here. People think, oh, do you like when, when, when kids cry? So, listen, as long as it sounds like, amen, I'm good with it. I'm good with it. Amen. Amen. By the way, I thank God we have children and babies. Listen, that's good stuff. Always bring your kids to church. But again, we see that the ministry refers to a service. So to understand the ministry of reconciliation, we had to put these two concepts together. Because our sins have been forgiven, listen to me, because our past is now truly our past and we have been made new, our work is to declare this message to everyone around us, you can have a restored relationship with Christ too. That is the ministry of reconciliation. 
Now, to get the full picture, we're going to read the scripture right here, starting in verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing the trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors, that means representatives for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We can expect victory because we are no longer who we once was. We have been made new. We are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We can expect victory because, because we have been reconciled. We have been giving, given a job, the ministry of reconciliation, to go out and share this good news to everyone who will hear. Are you serving the ministry of reconciliation? And then continue to expect victory. Stop allowing your yesterday to stop your today. Have you been reconciled to God? Has that, has that ruined relationship been restored? If not, I want you to know today you can be reconciled. You can be forgiven. You can be saved. You say, well, preacher, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I did yesterday. Guess what? You know what's so beautiful about the gospel? It does not matter. It doesn't matter. God can cleanse you, make you white as snow, the Bible says. He can purge all that away. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness.